Scripture reading this morning comes from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 15. Peter writes, Simeon Peter, a servant, apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers... Be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. Though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right as long as I am in this body to stir you up by way of reminder since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. May God bless the reading of His Word. You know, this morning we're going to start a new sermon series in the letter of Second Peter. And 2 Peter is the last known letter penned by the Apostle Peter before he, he died a martyr, martyr's death under the Roman Emperor Nero in 67 AD. You know, he, his first letter, entitled 1 Peter, uh, was written to give Christians hope as they faced various types of suffering and persecution. Uh, but this letter is focused on something a little bit different even though it still seeks to give Christians what they need to continue to live out their faith in Christ. You know, Peter knew his time was coming to an end, and so he, he penned this letter to encourage believers to persevere and to stay true to the unchanging truth of the gospel, even in the midst of false teachers and challenges to the truth. And in the verses we're looking at today, Peter shares three truths with us. First, He shares with us the foundation of our faith. Second, he tells us that we need to supplement our faith. And then third, he shares with us the fruit of our faith. And so in verses 1 through 4, Peter gives us the first truth. He shares with us the foundation of our faith. He writes, Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours, by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, 
May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So did you catch what Peter said there? He begins by saying to them that you have a faith that is equal to ours. He's writing to churches that are spread all over and he's telling them that you all have a faith that is equal to ours. Did you catch that? I mean, the Apostle Peter. The Apostles. You know, these, these men that we look up to and said these are great men of faith. And yet he's saying, you know what? If you have faith in Jesus, you have a faith that's equal to ours. Which should be a very encouraging thought that no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, whether you are Jewish or non-Jewish, no matter what you've done, if you place your faith in Christ, you have a faith equal to the Apostle Peter and the Apostles of Jesus Christ. We all share the same faith. We all come to God the same way. And that's through Jesus Christ. That's our foundation. And he goes on to say in verses 3 and 4, he says, His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, so that through them you may be, become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. And so what we're seeing here, verse 3, His divine power, we have been saved by the power of God through Christ. And in Christ, we have been given not only new life, but the power to actually live out this life, this new life that He's given us. So, so our lives grow in godliness through, He says, through the knowledge of Jesus. And as we grow in the knowledge of Jesus, we, par- we become partakers, he says, of the divine nature. In other words, we become more like Jesus. The more we grow in the knowledge of Jesus, the more we become like Jesus. Now, we don't become Jesus, but we do become like Jesus. Ultimately, we will become like Christ. We will be glorified, eternal, and free from the corruption of sin and death. And so the foundation of our faith and what Peter's emphasizing here, the foundation is the person of Jesus Christ. And so our relationship begins when we come to know Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. And so Peter's addressing those who have embraced Christ as Savior, that have believed in faith in Christ. And then as he moves further into this letter, the second truth surfaces. Peter tells us that we need to supplement our faith. Now, before we go any further, children, I need you to cover your ears because I need to share with you something that your parents may not want you to hear. You have your ears covered? Okay. I don't like vegetables. And I don't eat vegetables. Okay? And so, if I had a dollar for every time someone told me Ron, you're missing out because vegetables are so good. I would be a very rich man. And another common objection to my taste buds is to tell me, well, you know, it's not healthy, Ron, to avoid eating vegetables. Like that's going to encourage me to actually eat them, you know. And they say, well, because vegetables are good for you. You know, they're full of vitamins. They're, they're healthy. 
And I agree, okay, I agree that vegetables have some positive characteristics, but taste is not one of them. And uh, therefore, instead of getting my nutrition from vegetables, I look to supplement my diet with other things. Have you ever heard of a dietary supplement? Well, that's what I use. Another way to get my nutrition other than having to eat vegetables. Uh, you know, basically a dietary supplement is something that you just add to your diet that improves your health. It could be a vitamin or some other type of supplement. Well, that's what Peter's saying here. He's saying, okay, you need to supplement your faith. And there's a few things that you need to supplement your faith with. And in verses 5 through 7, he's, tell, he's telling us that now that we have new life in Christ, okay, you have the life in Christ, you have the, the power and the presence of God within you, now you need to seek to do something with it. You need to add something to it or do something with it. In other words, you need to start living it out. You need to put it in practice. Now, he's not saying that your faith in Jesus is not sufficient to save you or to make you right with God. He's not saying that faith in Christ is insufficient and therefore you need to add something to it. That's like saying uh, you should give a dead man a vitamin because it would make him more healthy or healthier. You know, vitamins don't help dead people. Vitamins only help people that have life. And so Peter's saying these qualities that you should pursue and put in practice in your life, these qualities are not going to benefit a spiritually dead person. But they will greatly benefit those who are spiritually alive in Christ and make them very effective in their ministry for Christ. And so let's look at each of these supplements. Peter says in verse 5, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. Now, virtue means moral excellence, high moral standards, goodness. And notice that this virtue, this goodness, the, this moral excellence flows from faith. So this all flows from the, the wellspring of faith in Christ. What is good, what is excellent, what is right. And so for the, for the Christian, you know, the beginning of faith, if you think about it, when you first came to faith in Jesus Christ, you were thinking of your relationship between yourself and God, right? You were thinking, okay, how do I become right with God? And you become right with God by placing your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin. So that makes you right with God. But the more you begin to know God and grow in your relationship with God, you realize that your faith remains not only vertical, that it's just you and God, but that God actually wants you to begin to live out your faith horizontally with one another. And so it begins to make its way out in your behavior and the things that you do. And this is what Peter is advocating here. He wants to push our faith out through our lives in our actions and behavior. And this is why he says we should make every effort to supplement or add to our faith virtue. Put it in practice. And then he says we should supplement virtue with knowledge. And the knowledge he's referring to here is he's saying that uh, it, it's, the, it's the knowledge of knowing the right thing to do in a given situation. So, so he's saying, Christian, I, w- I want you to 
add to virtue knowledge. I want you to think about how to put your faith in practice in a very specific situation as they come across your path. How do I live this out in this given situation? Then he says we should supplement knowledge with self-control. You know, the word self-control means self-mastery. It means uh, the ability to take a grip of oneself and steer oneself in the right direction. Have you ever had to do that to yourself? (laughs) Take a grip of yourself. Even though you may want to go one way or do something, you take a grip of yourself and you turn yourself to go the right way. And, And hopefully, just reading this passage should be an encouragement to you. I know it is to me. Peter's saying, you know, you need to put on self-control. You need to put this into practice. And what this implies is that living the Christian life is not easy. I mean, it's a battle. You know, we still have all these passions and desires to do our own thing. And every day, decisions are coming across our paths. You know, we have these desires and passions to do different things. And he's saying, what you need to do is be able to steer those in the right direction. And allow your faith to inform your decision making. You need to take control of yourself. One scholar said it this way. He says, in Christ, our passions become our servants and not our tyrants. It's not that we no longer have them. But they become our servants. We yield them to Christ. Then he says we should supplement self-control with steadfastness. You know, steadfastness is the, is the ability to endure the troubles of life and see that God will use them for our good. Someone once said that Christian steadfastness does not simply mean sitting down and accepting what's happening and, and enduring it. But he says for the Christian, there's always a looking forward. There's always a looking forward. Yes, we endure it. Yes, we bear it. We bear up underneath it and we seek to walk through it. But for the Christian, there's always a looking forward. Believing that God is at work. The writer of Hebrews says about Jesus that Jesus endured the cross. Why? Because of the joy set before Him. Because of the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. Jesus always was forward thinking. Seeking to do what God wanted him to do. Knowing that God the Father was at work and accomplishing his redemptive plan. And for us as believers in Christ, that should be our position as well. We need to add to our faith steadfastness. That's how we put it in practice. We, yes, we endure. But we always are forward thinking, knowing God's at work. And we know the end game. Then he says we should supplement steadfastness with godliness. Godliness refers to a person's correct attitude, not only toward God, but also people. And I love how one person put it. He said, the word describes an awareness of God in all of life. I like the phrase, you know, there's a God consciousness. You know, you're just aware that God is at work. Not only in your life, but all around you. And so therefore... You want to pursue godliness. You want to not only pursue a right relationship with God and grow in your relationship with God, but you also want to extend your life to those around you, believing that God is going to work as well in their lives. 
So we need to see our relationship with Jesus, that our relationship with Jesus, you know, it changes everything. It changes not only how we see God, but also changes how we see people and interact with people. Then he says we should supplement godliness with brotherly affection. This is the Greek word Philadelphia, which we're all familiar with, right? City of brotherly love. And that's what it means. It means the love of the brethren. That's what the word literally means. And so Paul wants us to, I mean, Peter wants us to have a genuine concern and care for one another, just like you would have for your immediate family. He wants us to live out brotherly affection, put that on. So our faith should impact how we treat one another. And then lastly, he says that we should supplement brotherly love or brotherly affection with love. And love is the highest Christian virtue. You know, Jesus told us that the greatest commandment is to love God. And the second is to love our neighbor. And he also tells us in 1 John that, you know, we love because God first loved us. And I think it's fitting then that Peter would conclude his list of supplements with with love. And so he's saying this is what it looks like to live out your faith. You will grow in your love for God and for man. And this is what Peter wanted for those early Christians, and I'm sure that's what he would want for us as well. He wants our faith to be experienced by those around us. And that's what happens when you put your faith into practice. When you live out your faith and people encounter that, they experience it. I mean, a simple example was just on sub, in, you know, the Subway restaurant Friday. Just something as simple where, you know, we, we had those cards. I was buying people's lunches with the cards you donated. I mean, by doing that, they are, they are experiencing something of the generosity of God. And the only reason we did that is because of what God has done in our lives. You know, we, we are generous because God is a generous God, which is making us more generous. And so because of your generosity, those people that just lined up that day tasted just a, just a small portion of the generosity of God. And that's what the Christian life should look like. We should be allowing others that may not even know Christ yet to experience something of our faith and get a better glimpse of who God is. Finally, in verses 8 through 15, Peter tells us what will happen if we make every effort and add these supplements that he mentioned in the previous verses. He says, For if these qualities are yours... And are increasing. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. So notice, first of all, in verse 8, he says that we need these qualities and, and they need to be increasing in our lives. In other words, we need to be growing. Everybody in here, you should be growing. We should be growing in these qualities. 
We should not be, he says, ineffective, which means idle or slothful. Literally, it means unemployed. You know, none of us need to be unemployed in the Christian life. We need to be pursuing these qualities. We should not be unfruitful, he says, which means barren or unproductive. Uh, it refers to a life that is just crowded with everything else other than those things mentioned here in the previous verses. And Peter says that those who lack these qualities are what? Nearsighted. To where they're even blind. In other words, they're, they're preoccupied with everything on this side of the grave. Their life is just fully preoccupied with everything on this side of the grave. They have a temporal vision. They just can't see the eternal perspective. He says they're nearsighted to where they're really blinded to what God is doing. They have a temporal vision of life and not an eternal vision. And then he goes on to say that as you pursue these qualities, you will confirm your calling and election. And this is similar to the idea that we found in the book of James when we studied the book of James. When James said, you know, faith without works is dead. You know, Peter's saying that your faith should make its way out into your life. And as you see that happening, as you see that change happening, this will give you assurance that you have saving faith. It confirms your calling in election. It shows that you are a Christian. You know, faith in Christ, I mean, it brings about change in your life. It changes the way you view everything. And therefore, it changes your behavior. It changes your life. And as you see this change take place, it should give you great assurance that God is at work in your life and that it, could, it should confirm your calling and election in your life. Because God cares very deeply about what we do today. And he cares about what you do, your choices, your life. He, he cares about that. And so He wants you to see you live out your faith in Jesus. And I'm thinking as I read this, isn't this just a good reminder? Isn't this just a good reminder? I love verses 12 through 15 when he says, Therefore, I intend always to remind you. Sounds almost like a parent, right? Just Even when you were a child, your parent always had to remind you of something, whether it be clean your room, sit up straight, you know, close your mouth while you're chewing, you know, these different reminders. And you remember, I remember my, uh, my grandmother always reminding me, correcting my grammar. I don't know how much help that really had on me, but because uh, I think in Sunday school this morning I used the word gooder. And so you never know. But anyway, I can remember, because I think as a child I, was all, I would always use the word brung. Brung. I brung it. Or you brung it. She like brought. Ron, it's brought. <laughs> but anyway, there's this constant reminder, constant reminder. You know, this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to do. This is how you put it into practice. And Peter says... I'm just going to keep reminding you of these truths. Because I, don't, I know you know them. I know you're established in them. But I'm going to keep reminding you of these great truths. And then he says, I'm going to keep stirring you up. I know I don't have long. And Jesus even told me that, you know, I'm going to be dying soon. But while I'm in the body, I'm going to do whatever I can to remind you of these great truths. So that even when I'm gone, he says, you may be able to recall them. 
And I'm thinking, what a great reminder. Peter knows that we need to be reminded of these great truths. And so this morning, you know, let us be reminded that the foundation of our faith is Jesus Christ. Let us be reminded that we need to make every effort to supplement our faith with virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. And let us be reminded that God wants our faith to produce fruit. Let us pray. Father, thank you for these reminders. We know life is a challenge. It's a battle at times. But Lord, you have given us all that we need that pertains to life and godliness. Let us be reminded of this truth this morning. And even today, God. Help us to put on these supplements, these qualities that Peter has laid out for us. And as we do, Lord, help us to be effective, fruitful, as we seek to represent you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.